Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful, emotional, and physical intimacy, and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Welcome to the show. So one of my dearest soul friend teachers is with us. You've heard her on the show before um, talking about her new book, Sensitive is the New Strong, The Power of Empaths in an Increasingly Harsh World. Anita Morjani is a New York Times bestselling author, international speaker. She wrote the beautiful books, Dying to Be Me and What If This Is Heaven. And she's also a dear friend of mine. And we've had a little bit of a chance to talk since my big uh, tragedy of losing my son, Sammy, on February 7th. Um, You know, we'll have more as COVID restrictions abate and you and I can spend more time together. But I know that my life is about heal, learn, teach. I've known that for a long time. And when I go through things, you know, a divorce 20 years ago or my child being ill or infidelities or losing a parent, you know, all of those things have added to my work and contributed to my work. And each of those things, going through cancer myself, you know, all those things, I heal, I learn while I'm healing and I teach, you know, and I never intended this tragedy to be in that category. But as I have been sharing my journey, I decided to start sharing it because, you know, when when Sammy, my 16-year-old, tragically and suddenly died from accidental fentanyl poisoning, I was astounded when hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parents started reaching out to me with the same story. And I saw this just groundswell of of grief coming at me. And I just, because I couldn't handle it at the time, I started a Facebook support group, Parents for Safer Children. And there's, you know, 11,000 people there, all of whom have lost their their children and sharing their stories and supporting each other. And it's this really beautiful thing. But I quickly realized that people like grief, just like sex, it seems, which, you know, I seem to be a taboo-friendly girl. Grief is taboo too. For me, it's not. And I have found that as I share my pain and my good days and my bad days, that it helps kind of provide a roadmap for other people, which then helps me. So I wanted to just pick your brain because as I've said many times, every time I talk to you, you know, publicly, I'm always raving about all of your books, but especially Dying to Be Me, which is a book I read after my mother died about your own near-death experience where basically you died and came back from terminal cancer to have a full miraculous recovery and you share the lessons from that other side. And so I wanted to ask you, I don't even know what I want to ask you. I mean, I've talked to you a little bit since Sammy, but I, but I wanted to know, just like from your perspective as someone who's been on the other side, what do we need to know about death and dying and how can that serve us in our grief journey? Well, first of all, the most important thing to know 
is that your loved one, in this case, Sammy, I mean, first of all, my heart goes out to you and, and you, you know that, but um, Sammy is actually fine. Even, you know, whether, whether the, our loved one has gone suddenly or whether they've gone after um, a slow process of being ill, once they cross over, even if it's unexpected and it might take them by surprise, they're actually fine on that side. They very, very quickly find their way because there are beings, their deceased relatives. Your mom, for example, she would have been, she would have been there for him right away. She would have been there to embrace him. Your relatives who passed on before Sammy, even if they were dysfunctional over here, they're no longer dysfunctional over there. So be assured that he is fine. He is absolutely fine. So the work that we have to do over here when we lose someone is to heal ourselves. And when we need them to, to be around us, they are around us because they want us to heal. They want to see us healed. They want us to still fulfill our life's purpose. They don't want us to stop living because they've gone. And they will do whatever they can from there to help us to get back and, you know, to get some semblance of our lives and our souls back. And so can you talk a little bit about, just for people, if you haven't read the book Dying to Be Me, it's it's really beautiful. Um, and it talks, you talk about how, you know, you had terminal cancer. You basically died for all intents and purposes. You came back to have almost immediate, other than your body getting slowly recovering from being beaten up for so long, but but a, an immediate recovery and a miraculous recovery from cancer. And now 15, 16, how many years has it been? It's been um, 15, 15 years. Yeah, exactly 15 years last month. Well, cancer-free. Yeah. I want people to understand that like you... And you wrote it so, you know, it's hard to put into words something like that, you know, because it's not like you are in your body anymore with your five senses. But can you share a little bit about what you experienced on the other side? Because I know you did see loved ones and you had conversations and you saw things and experienced things just so that we can, so that people can understand that you're speaking from experience. (laughs) So I was, when I crossed over, I was surrounded by loved ones, my deceased relatives. And then there were people who I didn't recognize as well, at least not from this lifetime. But all I felt from them was unconditional love. And they wanted to help me and they wanted to help me to go through this dying process. They communicated with me, but we don't have biology on that side. So it was like whatever they wanted me to know, I just knew it. And because we are just pure essence, we're just pure souls, pure essence. When another soul or another being is communicating with us, it's almost as if two essences merge and you know everything they want you to know. And everything is communicated with unconditional love. It's like if anybody has wronged Sammy in in his life, who's on the other side, they would have already communicated to him that they are totally, like that they are so sorry they did it, but it was done from their own limitations. And that had they, if they had the chance to do it again, they wouldn't do it that way. So Sammy would have received so much love by now. 
he would have forgiven so many people by now. And, and there's just this understanding. It's almost like you don't even need to forgive people when you're on that side because you don't even judge them for what they did wrong because you've merged with their soul and you understand why they did what they did and you understand it. So it's like, oh, I get it. Of course, of course. And all you feel is love for that person, even the person who hurt you. All you feel is love for them for having gone through what they went through that made them become so hurtful. Yes, that made them hurt you. So Sammy is going through that whole process right now. And so, and even though each soul is still its own soul, they kind of can keep merging in and out with other souls. It, it's a, sort of like a form of communication because they have no biology to talk with each other. And also they try to communicate with us here, but it's very, very hard to communicate with us here because again, not being in physical form, it's, it's hard. If we want to be able to communicate with them, this is one of the things that I have started to understand. You know, when we talk about frequencies and energy levels, they have moved on to a much higher frequency. So they really have to drop their frequency to be able to do things here on the physical or to be able to drop messages into our mind. But if we can meet them halfway by increasing our frequency, it makes it easier for them. And the way that we can meet them halfway, the way to increase our frequency is really to find ourselves in a state of openness, lightness. Um, like I've even said in a previous podcast, if we go out in nature, that raises our frequency. Because when we raise our frequency, what happens is we raise the frequencies of all the people around us in our energy field because we entrain ourselves with each other. Um, and empaths have a tendency to entrain with the people around them. And so we end up dropping our frequency. But if we consciously entrain ourselves to a higher frequency, we not only entrain <clears throat> the people around us, but we open ourselves up to receiving communication from our deceased loved ones. And that's, that's important. Love, right? Like I, I talk about that in, in my book, all, you know, this idea of what I call the home frequency zone, you know, that's our, that's our natural state, but our stories and our egos and our fears and all the stuff that we adopt in our life and our conditioning, you know, kind of condition us out of it. And it's such an oxymoron because I, I told, I have had that experience many times since Sammy died. And it's also because of beautiful teachers and healers in my world like you who, you know, have held my hand through some of this that I've been able to connect with him, but I've also connected with him on my own. The oxymoron of it or the irony of it is that I, I'm often, and especially, well, I can't even say immediately following his death because certainly immediately following his death, but, you know, the, the crappy thing about grief is that it's not a straight line. So even over the past week, I've been in a tremendous amount of pain after weeks of being more in flow. You know, it just sort of happens that way. But the hard thing about the grief process and of being in this pain is that it's the opposite of a high frequency, right? So we want to connect with them so badly, and yet we're in so much pain emotionally from the loss. You want to connect with them, but you're 
too much in your grief and your pain to raise your frequency enough to connect with them. And that's, and I've just sort of, and I'm curious what your take on it, but my take on it is like, okay, so that's just where I am. You know, if I don't resist that and I allow myself to just be in, you know, not to wallow in it, but to allow the pain to pass through me and to not try to hold on to it, to not try to change it, that eventually I can move my frequency up again. First of all, allow exactly you have to allow and embrace that grief process so if you know my work you know that one of the things i oft, I, I talk about a lot is the importance of loving yourself and the reason i talk about loving yourself is because it's important for every aspect in your life including grief it's important also for raising a frequency when we talk of law of attraction and we talk about our thoughts attract our reality and so on What I tell people is don't worry about your thoughts because if you're in fear, if you're in grief, if you're in pain, that's what you're going through. Don't judge them. Don't push them away. If you're having fear-based thoughts, don't judge it. The most important thing that is often overlooked in law of attraction literature is that the most important thing is that you have to love yourself. If you do not love yourself, if you do not think you're deserving or worthy, No matter how much you control your thoughts to positive thoughts, you will not attract what you truly deserve because you don't think you're worthy or deserving. You don't love yourself. So now when it comes to raising our frequency, what raises our frequency is how much love we have for ourselves, not the negative thoughts, not the grief, not any of those things. Now, when you are going through grief, the more that you can accept that this is how I am feeling right now, that is the, the more that you can accept that, the more loving you are being towards yourself. But the more you judge your grief, the more you criticize it and you say, damn it, you know, I was doing better yesterday and I've gone down today. That is not a loving thing to do. So what actually raises your frequency is how much you can accept where you are, including the grief, and not how much pain or grief you're in. Does that make sense to you? It's how much you can love yourself through this grief process and allow yourself to feel all those feelings um, and let it, let it take its course. That's what raises your frequency. I think that's true. And as I have learned over the past five to 10 years to truly do that and love myself. My metric is when I start to stumble in that department is to do for myself and to say to myself what I would say to my very best friend. If it isn't something that I would do or say to my very, very best friend in the entire, you know, like my nearest and dearest that I could imagine, you know, then it's not self-love. And really what I've learned is that, you know, that person who is my nearest and dearest, best, best friend in the world is me. And if I treat myself that way, then I'm so much more in service to all of my soul friends and and to everyone else. But it's really painful. You know, I'm I'm always, um, you know, if if I have like an injury or a back pain and it's just really painful, I'll have to talk myself through because I'll start to panic. It's like when you're deep in the pain, it's hard to remember that the pain will end. You think, oh my God, it's going to stay forever, you know? And it's the same thing with the pain of grief. You know, I cried for, felt like I just couldn't stop crying. And I was, and I just kind of 
you know, I was working out and crying. I was sitting, I was just crying. I couldn't stop crying. I, and I decided just not to stop, you know, not to try to stop. And then I went into my little office and I said to my husband and son uh, and the housekeeper that was there that day, <laughs> she'd come that day. And I was said to all of them, okay, I'm, you know, you're going to hear some noise. And I went into my little office and I took my little love pillow that I sometimes scream into and I just sobbed as loudly as I could. And whatever wa- sounds wanted to come out, I made and I was screaming and crying and sobbing. And I think I did that, you know, for 45 minutes with breaks, you know, waves and break. It almost feels like giving birth. And then I find, you know, I felt a hundred times lighter and I felt peaceful and, you know, I was still sad, but I wasn't like in pain, you know? And I think it's, that's so important to just be in it and then you can create more connection and and raise your frequency and because we all want to have those connections can you talk a little bit about what you learned either on the other side or even since then because I I think you know you and I have talked about that since you came back you're even more attuned to the energies and the entities and the things beyond our five senses you know you're even more of a sixth sensory person than you were before this, you know, and lots of people who have had near-death experiences say that, that when they come back, it's almost like their their internal chemistry and frequency has changed where they can be much more attuned to the other side. Yes, and I believe that um, all of us have this sixth sensory self or side, and we just have to kind of be aware of it and attune ourselves to it. And when we are aware of it, we do actually start seeing the communication and the signs because I bet you Sammy really wants to be able to communicate with you and send you signs. And I'm sure he has done already. Um, but you, you said a couple of really important things there when you were saying about the grief and everything and how you felt lighter. The thing is that it is a big deal what happened to you it is huge and one of the things that I just want to say though is that people like us who do the work we do and particularly let's say if you've had if I've had since I've had a near-death experience we have this expectation of ourselves and Laura because of the work you do you have this expectation of yourself because you are a you're you're a teacher you're a healer you you do this work And so we tend to beat ourselves up more when we're going through trauma or grief. And we tend to say, this is the stuff I teach. I should be able to climb out of it. I should be able to apply it to myself. No, it's, we need to lighten up. And so I was just picking up a little bit of that, 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 that I, that um, you could be being hard on yourself through this grief process because Even though I've had a near-death experience and I know it's amazing on the other side, I still know that the human part of me would really struggle if I lost somebody I love. And when I say struggle, I mean it will take time. And so that's why I'm just saying allow yourself all the time that you need and don't judge any of it, any of it. Sammy is there. You know, because it's this, it's this irony that I know, I really know that energy never dies. 
And I know that he's still here and he's in a better place. And he, you know, I know all of that. And yet I would give anything to hold that beefy, soft, delicious hand, you know, and smell him and hear his voice. And I'm in so much pain over the fact that I'm not going to get to see who he was going to become We all have these soul contracts. And, you know, when he was really little and my mother had died and, you know, they were he and his brother were first kind of adjusting to this idea of death. And they said to me, what happens when you die? And I said, well, I can tell you what I think happens. I really believe that we're, you know, and I told him about how we're all souls having a human experience and that, you know, for instance, in our family, you know, we were all souls before And we made an agreement with each other that we were going to come, you were going to be my children, I was going to be your mom, you know, we were going to learn things from each other and grow together and have a life together. And we made this kind of agreement before we came here. Jackson, I think it was, said, okay, well, if you die, will you wait for me and we'll come back again together? And I said, yes. And Sammy, my sweet Sammy said, I think I said something like, and and lessons we need to learn or things, you know, we choose our parents based on lessons we need to learn. And he said to me, well, I must have been really good and not needed to learn a lot of lessons to choose parents as good as you, which I just thought was so sweet. And so I know all of that, and yet there's this human part of me that thinks, oh, God, I've, I've fucked up his soul's purpose. You know, I, I somehow didn't give him what he needed. You know, it's hard as a parent not to take responsibility for your child's pain ever. I could have maybe gone up to his room 30 minutes earlier and found him and stopped him, you know, had some Narcan. Like, maybe I could have stopped him from dying. I wouldn't have stopped him from being a lifelong addict with the fentanyl poisoning because that's twice, 100 times more powerful than heroin and twice as addictive. He would have been a hardcore addict for the rest of his life. And so on some level, I feel like he, you know, spared us that because that would have taken us down. He was communicating with you right now I know that, and, and so because this is coming into my head, so I have to say to you, because it could be coming from him, he would want you to know that there was nothing you could do about it, that you were the most amazing parents, you were the most amazing mom ever, and that no matter what you did, whether you came up to the room half an hour before or no matter what you did, the state of mind he was in just at that point had nothing to do with you, but he would have outwitted you. It's literally, he's saying, I would have outwitted you. There was nothing you could do. It wasn't you. It was me. And so even if you came into the room earlier, or even if you did things differently, I would have outwitted you. He could run circles around us so freaking smart. You know, even the way he got these drugs, you know, I know I had no idea you there were drug dealers on Snapchat. That's been something, a whole education. But, you know, he snuck out after we went to bed. He, you know, he was just so he, he could run circles around us when it came to outwitting, wow. you know, and yeah. some days it's a lot easier and I can feel him and I can feel the oneness and I can even see and feel and I get messages from him like I got you know, just very specific things. At other times, you're just swimming in pain. And I think that's just the nature. 
And you and I have talked, and we even talked in a prior podcast about, um, you know, how when you had, one of the things you learned on the other side when you had your near-death experience from cancer is that you had to get, you know, you were told, because you're like, why did I have to get this horrible, terminal, degenerating disease in order to learn this lesson? I wonder about why I, you know, because I know that this is about his soul's journey, but also about mine and his brothers and his fathers and every each of us, you know, that this is, if, if you believe in the soul contract thing, which I do, this is something we all agreed to. I certainly feel like I was open to the universe's messages and getting, you know, they, they I could hear the tap at the door. I didn't need the whole house blown down. I just wonder, I, there's just a big why. Unfortunately, the only thing that we can do is to wait. The why isn't always obvious to us in the beginning because even when I was going through the cancer journey of four years, I turned to everything spiritual, metaphysical during that journey. I read all the self-help books, the healing books, the Louise Hay and all of it during that journey. And I was trying everything while, of course, also being there for my friend and thinking that I was being a really good person, like I was getting rid of any bad karma by being this really good person and also reading all the law of attraction stuff and the self-help and the everything and thinking, what am I not getting? Why is this still getting worse? Why is this happening to me? It seems that our trajectory has its own timeline of when it'll be revealed to you. And the why will come. It will come, but it'll come in its own time. And the struggle, the struggle is that we're doing all these things because we want to know why so that we can fix it. But if we can let go of that, if we can even let go of needing the why, the why will present itself in its time. It, it is, I guess, yeah, it is the, the booby prize, but it will bring you comfort when you have the why because right now the journey is to heal. It's to heal the guilt, the grief, but also the guilt. Because it wasn't you. you. There was nothing you could do to change it. It really wasn't you. And so do whatever it takes to heal that. And Sammy would want that for you. He would really want that. He couldn't have wished for better parents. He would want you to know that. I do. The times that I connect both most with him and can really see him and feel him, ironically, and maybe not so ironically, is when I'm doing breath work. When I do breath work, almost every time he comes to me, he's always wearing this white T-shirt he loved, and he's just like either holding my hand or just shooting, you know, like it's almost like he's shooting light love out of his chest to me, and he's looking at me with this really sweet, and sometimes he gives me messages, but maybe it's because when I when you do breath work, you really are changing the vibration of your body. Maybe that's why. Yes. When you do breath work, you're lightening your body. Exactly that. You're going, you're, you're attaining those higher frequencies where it makes it easier for him to connect with you. When you do breath work, when you meditate, sometimes when you're just listening to music, you know, in certain music that really moves you or touches you. And I know you're an artist. So when you're doing your art, that's when you're also tuning into your higher self. All those kinds of times he can come through. I love you so much, Anita. Thank you. 
Is there any final word of wisdom you would give? I mean, you give me so much wisdom, but just to the parents out there or just people in general who are struggling, there's so much loss during this time. You know, there's been so many people lost and so many people grieving, not just parents grieving for lost children. You know, what's the one thing you would say to them in closing? The one thing, the most important thing I would want them to know is that your loved one is fine and they are there helping you. They haven't left you and they want to help you do what you need to do to take care of yourself and to heal, to heal whatever needs to be healed. But also do not feel guilty or beat yourself up when you are feeling grief. Love yourself through it. Love yourself even more through the pain and allow yourself the process. Amen. I love you, my friend. Thank you, as always, for sharing your wisdom with us. And you can learn more about Anita Morjani uh, at her website, anitamorjani.com, and it's spelled M-O-O-R-J-A-N-I, Morjani, Anita Morjani. And you can follow her on social media, at Anita Morjani. And read her new book, Sensitive is the New Strong. It's fantastic. I gave her a little blurb on the back. Yes, you did. And I love you. And to be continued. I love you, Laura. Big hugs. Virtual hugs. And uh, give us a shout if you have a question or a topic on this or uh, that you want to discuss or anything else. You can go to my website, drlauraberman.com. Right there on the homepage, you can find the links to the language of love, to subscribe, to download, to ask questions via voicemail or email. Always want to hear from you. I will see you next time on the language of love. 